a section in Mark 14 and then going over to a section in Mark 15. But with today being the day that we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper, um, I wanted us to, to talk about consecration and, and what that means for, for us as, as believers and followers of Christ, of how we consecrate ourselves, um, not only before we take communion, but, but even beyond what takes place, even beyond. Um, and so before we go any further, let me just state this. You may not be a, um, a member of the Wesleyan Church. That's still okay for you to come. We invite anyone who is a believer in Christ, okay? And, and even those who have a desire to be in a right relationship with God, we invite you to come and partake of communion with us, okay? And so I know that's kind of one of the questions that a lot of people ask. So I just wanted to say that at the very beginning um, of the service today, that yes, you who desire to be in a right relationship with God or already are in a right relationship with God, you are invited to be a part of this with us, okay? Before we get started, let's pray together. Father, we love you and are thankful that we can be a part of this service today. Lord, remind us, Lord, that we are participants in this worship service. Pray, Lord, that you remind us of that even during this sermon. Remind us, Lord, that even in this moment, we are participating in what you are wanting done. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So, as you heard in my prayer, talking about the fact that we are participants in what's taking place today. So, some of you have already participated in singing and in prayer. And whether you realize it or not, even while you're sitting in the pew, you are participating, even in this moment, okay? But before I get into that, I want to explain kind of how this all works together and how you are participating. But in order to do that, okay, we need to look at a breakdown of what took place before Christ went to the cross, okay? So I'm going to look, we're going to begin with the upper room. How many of you are familiar with the upper room? You know about the upper room, right? Okay, this is where Jesus met with his disciples. And so for those of you that are keeping notes, this is what I want you to write, okay? Simply want you to write the upper room and then put a dash and put the place of explanation, okay? The place of explanation. And here, now, let, let me explain what I mean by explanation, all right? So we're going to read Mark chapter 14, verses 22 through 24. It says, While they were eating, Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. So, we're going to stop there and try to help you to see that the upper room was a place of explanation. What was Jesus explaining? Basically, what Jesus was explaining is what was about to happen with the crucifixion. So before Jesus is even crucified, he explains to them 
through the Lord's Supper that the body, the bread represents the body, and the juice or the wine represents the what? The blood, right? He was explaining this to them, okay? Now, let me help you to see something. It's extremely important before anyone partakes of the Lord's communion to understand those two things. You have to understand the importance of the bread representing the body of Christ because it was what? It was broken for all of us. And it's extremely important to understand that the juice represents the blood of Christ which was poured out or shed for all of us. Okay? So even when we're teaching our kids, I, I can remember, um, especially when, when Natalie, who's our youngest, um, wanted to, anytime she saw communion, she got super excited. Okay? Um, I read a, a, a little illustration this week. Um, a little girl came into church, true story, and she saw the Lord's elements up in front, and she said, Yay, Mommy, I love these days. We get to have a snack during church. Okay? Um, it's much more than that. And that's what I've been trying to teach my kids, and I hope that you do the same. That any time, when, when Natalie was younger, any time she wanted to take communion, I had to explain to her, do you know why you are going to take communion? And she would have to say, because the bread represents the body of Christ, which is broken for me, and the, and the juice represents the blood of Christ, which was shed for me. Because it was our job to explain that to her. Now, I want you to see the parallel of this. The church represents the upper room today. We have the responsibility of explaining the gospel of Christ okay, to the world. The church has that responsibility. Okay? And you're going to see how this progresses because in just a moment... We're going to move from the church to the pew, which is where you all are, okay? But understand, what is one of the major roles of the church? It is to what? Glad y'all are listening. It is to what? Explain. Just like the upper room, Jesus used the upper room to explain okay, the Lord's Supper and the crucifixion. The role of the church is the same. We have that responsibility. Which brings me to the next part. After Jesus left with the upper room, he went to his special place, which was Gethsemane. Okay? He went to Gethsemane. This is in Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 42. Now listen to this. It says, They went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little, a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. 
The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Once more, he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Now, here in Gethsemane, it is the place of consecration. Okay? And let me explain to you what I mean by this. In Gethsemane, in that garden while Jesus is praying, he is committing himself to the special calling that God has placed upon him, God the Father. Okay? And he accepts this calling that, Christ, that God the Father has put upon him, which is crucifixion. Okay? So in the garden, he says, not my will be done, but your will. In that moment, when he prays that, he is consecrating himself, himself. He is preparing himself for the calling which God is calling him toward. Now here is what is fantastic about this, is that last little bit in verse 42 where it says, rise, let us go, here comes my betrayer. It is not, rise, let us run away, let us go to my betrayer. It is a, rise, let us go. I'm embracing that which God has called me towards. Do you see the consecration in that? And, and so there again, for those of you that are struggling with what does consecration means, it means dedicating something to a special purpose. Now, if we relate that to today, if the church is parallel with the upper room and explaining the pew is the place of consecration. So in this moment, church, in this moment right now, you are in your Gethsemane, and you're going to have the opportunity to pray and say, God, what is it that you are calling me toward? And in that moment, you have the ability, because God gives us free will, to either accept what God's calling you towards or to deny what God's calling you towards. And my prayer is, is that you will accept what God's calling you toward, okay? But right now, you are in the place of consecration, which leads me to the last place that we'll find, which is Golgotha. And it is the place of crucifixion. It is the place of crucifixion. Mark chapter 15, verses 22 through 23. says, They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. He was crucified on Golgotha. It is the place of crucifixion. And so it is here where Jesus dies. Okay? It is here where Jesus dies. Today, you're going to have the opportunity to come to the Lord's table, which represents Golgotha where we, like Christ, say, Lord, help me die to self. Lord, just as your body was broken for me and your blood was shed for me, forgive me of my sins. Sanctify me 
Make me more like you. Help me to die to self. And we leave from this table as a resurrected one, okay, a new life, okay, going out and living out this new life, which is Christ living in us, okay? So just as the upper room represents the church, Gethsemane represents the pew, the Lord's table today is going to represent Golgotha. But before we take communion, I want us to focus on the place where you're at right now, okay? Which is the place of consecration. While you're in the pew. I want us to just participate in this moment right here, right now, okay? Because often I think what happens is we miss out on what God's really wanting to teach us in the moment of just sitting in his presence before we take communion. And let me tell you, this is a very special time. Um, The Lord's Supper is called a sacrament, meaning it is sacred. So even in this moment, we are in a sacred moment where God is communicating with us. He is pouring his grace upon us in this moment, and he is communicating to us what he's calling us towards, what he wants us to die to, I mean, he is, this is a sacred, sacred moment. So I just want us to kind of meditate on this moment for a second. So I want to share with you a couple lessons from the Scriptures about consecration, about dedicating yourself in this moment to the special calling that God has on your life. Here's number one. Our Gethsemane must precede our Golgotha. Okay? Our Gethsemane must precede our Golgotha. Here's what I mean by this. Just as Jesus spent plenty of time preparing and praying for the crucifixion, we must spend plenty of time praying and preparing to come to the Lord's table. We need to pray, reflect upon what God's purposes are for our lives. Often what happens is we go to church, the pastor preaches a sermon, we tune it out, let's be honest, right? We tune it out, and then suddenly the pastor says, okay, come on up here, let's take the Lord's communion, and and then we step out of our pews, we take it, we throw away the cup, we go back to our seat, and then we go about our everyday business, okay? Again, this is something sacred, okay? And so I do not want us to simply address the Lord's table unprepared. This is very serious. I want us to address the Lord's table prepared with a mind and a heart that is full of the knowledge of what Christ has done on our behalf and on what Christ is calling us toward. And it's only by reflecting in our Gethsemane in the pew that we will understand what Christ is calling us to. So take a moment. Just close your eyes. And I want you to pray, and I want you to reflect upon what Christ has done for you and what Christ is calling you towards. Next, I want you to look up on the screen and you'll see that 
The heart of consecration is self-surrender. Okay? And I'm talking about holistic surrender. And I'll get into that in just a few moments. But Gethsemane for Jesus was the place where he accepted his crucifixion. Ralph Earl, teacher in the Nazarene tradition, says, it was not at Golgotha but in Gethsemane that Jesus took up his cross. I want you to just think about that. You remember when Jesus took up, all his, took up his cross and had to carry it? Okay. Well, what Ralph Earl is challenging is, is that it wasn't on that trip that he actually took up symbolically his cross in Gethsemane saying, Lord, you call me to this purpose. I'm going to carry that cross. Okay? And so he says it's at, at this moment that he accepted his coming crucifixion with all it involved as the will of the Father. And so Gethsemane was not only a place where Jesus prayed and prepared and reflected, it is the place where Jesus made the decision of I'm all in. I'm all in. Okay? And so right now, even in our pews, this is our moment to say, Lord, I am all in. Okay? So I want you to take a moment just to close your eyes and not only to pray and reflect, but now to say, Lord, I know what you're calling me towards, and I am all in. And lastly, I want you to look up on the screen. And you'll see that consecration always leads to action. Okay? When Jesus was in Gethsemane, he didn't just say, okay, God, I accept your calling, and then went on and did his own thing. And aren't we tempted to do that as Christians? We hear the sermon, we come to church on Sunday, but really our daily lives and our church life are separated when in reality they should be together. If God, if we accept the calling God's put on our life to follow him, shouldn't we live that out in our everyday lives? And so we see this with Jesus. Once he accepted the fact that the Father's calling him towards crucifixion, he embraces that. Again, remember, he wasn't running away. He said, rise, let us go. He was accepting, okay, accepting it. It turned into action. He lived it out. John 17, verse 19, a literal translation says, and on behalf of them, this is Christ speaking, okay? And on behalf of them, I consecrate myself to the will of God, which for him at this time meant primarily the cross, in order that, as a result of my death for them, they might be sanctified in truth. That's a literal translation of what that means. That at that moment when Christ accepted the crucifixion and embraced it, he is saying, I'm doing this in order that. And he had us in mind so that we could be sanctified all in as well. And so it's also important for us to note that Jesus not only died as part of the mission of God, but he also resurrected. 
okay, that that was also a part of God's plan for him, was to die and to resurrect. And so as we consecrate ourselves in the pew this morning, we have to realize that God is calling us to a specific task that calls for action. Faith without works is what? Dead. So he's calling us to action. Not that our actions will save us, but that we are saved, therefore we act. Okay? And so because we are saved, we live it out. We live it out. And as we live it out, we are proclaiming the resurrection of Christ and we are proclaiming the new life that Christ offers us. So close your eyes for just a moment before we take communion. And I want you to pray. I want you to reflect. I want you to accept that which Christ has called you to, to be all in. And then I want you to say, Father, what is it that you are wanting me to act out in my life? How are you wanting me to live this out? And as you're praying, I'm just going to share a couple things while you're praying that maybe God is calling you towards. Perhaps Christ is calling you towards consecration that is holistic, meaning he's saying, surrender your mind to me. Surrender your eyes to me. What is it that you've been looking at that Christ is saying, hey, this are un that's unholy? Your ears. What have you been listening to? Your lips and your tongue. How are you using your lips and your tongue for the glory of God? Your hands, your feet, the places you go, your spirit. Christ is also calling you to the fact that this is a daily act. You have to make this decision daily. Mark 8, verse 34 says, If any want to come, become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And Christ is calling us the consecration because consecration influences our daily actions. It transforms the way an individual lives. It affects the decisions that we need to make. What are the decisions we need to make? And how does our dedication to Christ affect that decision? It transforms the way we fellowship with one another. It transforms the way we talk to one another how we encourage one another. It transforms who we choose to date. It transforms the way we use our money. It transforms what we put into our bodies and how we use our bodies. The list could go on and on. With every eye closed, I'm going to ask the praise band to come up as you continue just to pray and speak to the Father. I'm going to ask Pastor Tanisha if she'll make her way up as well. One of the great things about communion is that after we have spent time consecrating ourselves in the pew, 
we are now called to action. And what I love about the Lord's Supper is, is that our first act is going to Golgotha and participating in the elements, the body of Christ and the blood of Christ that was shed for us. And in a sense, we are praying, God, crucify my old self at Golgotha here. And then when we leave, we leave as a resurrected one who is living for Christ, a new life.